if you deploy with the principals on occasion, it gives you that opportunity to talk to them in a relaxed environment sometimes rather than sitting behind a desk. It also means that you can check on your team's consistency and that they're supporting your vision um, and that they remember that you're the boss and the principal isn't. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Developing future EP services. Today, John Moss, Sean West and myself are very, very much looking forward to reviewing and having a deep dive on a session from the 9th Annual Executive Security and Close Protection Technology Forum, which was held on the 25th of January in person. Thank you to everyone who came. We had an international panel, great perspectives, but by and large, the topic of EP modernization and what the EP service of the future should look like was a very lively session. I know, Sean, you were at the event, and John, you weren't able to make the event, but but what do you think of this topic? This Why is it an enduring topic, uh, Sean, you know, what people want to offer as EP services? Surely it's just clear-cut at, uh, at this point in time. No, I thought it was a... First of all, going back to the event, I thought it was a fantastic event and well done again, Pelham, for putting that together. And, and also a great panel because obviously you've got people from the States, um, the multinational people there. Where were the other panelists from, Pelham? We were Germany. Yeah, we, yeah, Germany, Mexico, the States and the UK. And actually, we also had someone who's recently come from the government sector uh, supporting uh, you know, a, a particular type of uh special government uh, division. Um, it was a shame, actually, John, you couldn't make it because this really was an international crowd. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Happy New Year, everybody. I think this is my first appearance on the podcast in 2024. Uh, so it's it's good to be back with you all. And yeah, and, and, and again, missing the event, very disappointing. I think it's the, the first event I've missed in quite a few years and it's definitely one of my favourites. However, that just increases my excitement and anticipation for this uh, panel discussion. I'm looking forward to it, uh, not only because I missed it, but also because I know this is one that, uh, while it does get a lot of us in agreement and nodding our heads, it's not exclusively um, accepted. I know there's people who have pushback on these very kind of modern terms and philosophies that uh, some people would say are being shoehorned into the industry. And I know some people refer to terms as reinventing the wheel and so on when it comes to uh, topics like this. And, and and these are the ones that I love. And anything that, uh, you know, provokes a discussion and gets, uh, you know, get, gets people sharing their views and passionate about the job that they love. So I'm looking forward to this one. Perfect. Okay, well, let's then get into it. Slightly different uh, Circuit Magazine podcast session, recording, you know, that session on the 25th of January. We've got Axel Wochinger from Germany, Ivan Ivanovich from Mexico, Brandon Shafakani from the States, David Breen and Angie Clark from the UK. This is Future EP Services. And 
now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. We are delighted to move on to our next panel, where we're going to look at maybe one of the core tenets of this event, EP modernisation. But we're going to do it through the lens of EP services. And uh, on our panel, we are very pleased to welcome uh, Axel Wochinger, uh, CEO for the Result Group, Ivan Ivanovich, Vice President, Strategic Services, WSO, Brandon Shafakani, CEO of Samaritan Protective Services, David Breen, MVO, CEO for DAB Security Consultants, and Angie Clark, CSYP at Blackstone Consultancy. Lovely to have you all on, and you know what? Love to welcome many of you back. And I feel it's important to check up on this topic because each year there is a bit of a progression. But more than that, possibly last year we were still kind of alluding to services that people had come up with through the pandemic. Now, you'll notice there's a distinct lack of the pandemic word in this conference and I know nobody wants to really hear that word again. But we want to look at the evolution of EP. So... Uh, why don't we start off with basically asking a nice high-level question, uh, and we've got the roaming mic there as well. So if we start off with Ivan, with the roaming mic, how has the EP landscape changed for you, considering geopolitical events? And bear in mind, this isn't a you know, political panel, it's just how has the EP landscape changed over the last year for you? Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very much. Uh, well, uh, so far I can see is uh, that we have kind of two um, divergent, divergent ways of development executive protection depending on the, the surrounding threats. Uh, for example, uh, we have one traditional way of development in the most of the countries that we have, like United States, Europe, and, and other countries that we have kind of low risk. And we have very different way of development of uh, security and executive protection right now happening in uh, countries like uh, with a high urban threats such as Latin America, maybe South Africa. And uh, for example, here in, uh, in uh, as a matter of fact, there in Latin America, we are moving away from the concept of close protection because we have uh, frequently carjacking, uh, robberies, and all that kind of stuff. And in one year, we have 14 uh, protectees assassinated and uh, 29, of their, 29 of their agents. So our main focus on development right now is all that techniques that can cut the process of, uh, of, of uh, creation of the attack. Uh, with the counter surveillance, uh, with the early alert, uh, with uh, real time intelligence, so that's the way the, the executive protection is evolving in this part, that part of the world. Fantastic, and, and and that's why it's good to have a spectrum on this panel, from Germany to Mexico to the States to Europe. Um, Angie, uh, let's come to you. You know, I, I guess we're checking in almost. How has the last year been? Uh, what new developments have you seen in the EP landscape? Thanks, Pelim. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for, for me, it's a, a lack of understanding about the, the environment, I think we've seen. There's only ever bad news. Um, the ticker tape is, you know, it's dangerous to go here. Wherever that happens to be in the world, it's, it's difficult for them to know the real risk. 
And I think from our perspective, it's about respecting the knowledge of the people that really know the environment. So how, how it's changed for us is, is I would say that we would break that down into four strategic pillars. You can't necessarily change everything, and if you look at protecting people or buildings or individuals as a holistic piece, it's, it becomes almost impossible, and it's, it's actually frightening. So I, I would break it down into four strategic pillars. The person, how they travel, the buildings that they go into, and then the cyber risk. And so if you look at each um, separate strategic pillar, there's always a way that you can evolve and improve and modernise within those pillars without looking at a whole great big chunk of how are we going to protect this person in, in this country, how they get there, and the cyber risk. It's too big. So that's how I would say that we've evolved, is, is to break it down into much more strategic, uh, strategic pillars. I like that, because maybe, maybe it was ever thus in a way. You can't just say, I do everything. I suppose there are some providers that say, I do everything. But you, 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 know, you need to at least specialise. So in that, in that spirit, checking in, Axel, how is everything in Germany? What have you seen in the EP landscape, especially this last uh, year? Yeah, um, Germany probably is a, a bit of a different uh, market. It's a country that is considered to be very safe. Uh, the, the, there's a decent lack of security awareness in general and with executives and high net worth clients uh, in particular. So um, creating um, this amount of awareness and, and convincing and making those clients understand that, well, it is a low risk country, but there are still risks for you uh, specifically because of your position, your, your, your wealth um, is, is challenging and has been challenging. So there is, there is a lack of, of that understanding. Now, what we've seen is, and again, maybe that's true here as well, a lot of people don't like direct personal protection. So um, approaching them by uh, using protective intelligence, more covered types of uh, surveillance and covered protection uh, is, is obviously a trend that that we see that is more successful in, in approaching those people and talking to them and convincing them uh, to accept. And then another trend is, and, and we've discussed it in the pre-call, there's a tendency to push away from the security aspect towards a service uh, and support function. It's a thin line and everyone understands uh, once in a while you need to, you need to provide and have the service aspect for your client. But once it turns too much away from the security side into the service aspect, uh, that's another risk that you're facing. And, and I think that's something we have to deal with. I like that. I think people in the audience could probably identify with the holding the bag. Uh, either no-brainer or conundrum, depends what you look at it. Um, David, what, what, what about for you? Because in a way we're looking at the services that have been offered. And during the pandemic everyone came up and said, well, because I couldn't go anywhere, I came up with Intel services. No problem with that, because what else are you going to offer? But we just mentioned service and concierge type services. W what has it last year really done for you? Okay, well, I've just really moved into the private sector from, um, from the policing sector in the last six months. Um, if we're going to put this in a geopolitical context um, and considering recent world events, I'll give a practical example without giving the game away too much. I know there are chat and mouse rules in this room. 
Um, it's people that aren't used to getting closed protection and all of a sudden closed protection is put upon them and they don't necessarily want it, whether that's pressure from a family member. Um, and it's that reassurance piece for me. I see that as my role, is meeting the client, reassuring them around what they're doing, pointing out the obvious, but also explaining that um, protection can also be seen as a really useful tool, not just something that's, that's, that's forced upon them. Um, and again, doing that sincerely without the hard sell, um, I think that's really important because you're generally dealing, I'm certainly generally at the moment dealing with very intelligent people uh, that will see a hard sell coming a mile off. So what I give to them is proportionality and, uh, and direct, credible, practical experience from where I've come from. Yeah, and, and, and considering your particular background, I can appreciate how hard that is. And that speaks, in a way, to maybe one of the 2020 topics, where if anyone was here for the 2020 event, where we're talking about crypto billionaires suddenly not wanting protection, but wanting it, but not wanting them to be seen, and, you know, all of that. The, the landscape has evolved. Now, Brandon, I'm not going to check in with the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia, but if I were to, how has it evolved for you? Well, I mean, really... For us, the last year or so has been a reset, um, kind of um, back to the basics, per se. Um, Close protection is close protection. We want to modernize without reinventing the wheel. So just really back to the basics, understanding our clientele, understanding the the emergent threats and the threat landscape. Um, Leveraging technology, that's that's one thing that we've, we've really been looking into is not only how we're going to leverage technology uh, to better protect our clients and uh, detect risk and, and threats, but also how are the bad guys using it? How, how are the bad guys leveraging artificial intelligence, blockchain security, you name it? We need to learn and understand what we don't really know yet. Um, so that's really what we've been doing. It's a, it's a really hard reset from, from the, the COVID era. But, it, but it's heartening that, you know, you and other protectors are willing to do that. Um, but perhaps in the first CPTF, now I have the luxury of being to all of them, right, uh, people were reluctant to even engage with topics like AI. Uh, now you recognise that you don't have to be that expert, but you know who to call, which I think is a positive step. But let's go back to Ivan. Uh, when we're talking about the future of EP services, is it more about the modernization of the protector, the person, and not what the company offers? Is, is it better to look at the modernization of the executive profession uh, uh, personnel? Uh, well, uh, the most important uh, uh, teaching that we are receiving right now in uh, talking about Latin America in uh, receiving by our reality, as Mike Tyson used to say, everybody has plan and they punch you in the face. So they, they, they are punching uh, us in the face in the last uh, um, maybe 10 years in Latin America and that makes us change and, and make maybe a lot of changes. So uh, we, we realize that it's not about, the executive protection is not about a guy who is, or a woman who is protecting, it's about system. So whole the system is changing and whole the system needs to be prepared. So who, who is the first guy, so for example, uh, the intelligence uh, uh, that, that, that gives us the information, the command center, uh, before we have those command center focus on reaction that something happened and then you call the command center and they are... No, right now, uh, 
For example, we used to have a guy who is sitting next to the protectee in the vehicle. Right now, we are not we are not using it. Why? Because they are coming together with the protectee in and places when they are already waiting for them, and they just kill them both. Uh, that that happened frequently. So that's why the person is not anymore in the vehicle, but we have them on the model or on the other car moving before on all those places that we consider that they can put ambush. And because when you put the ambush, those guys need to be somewhere, and then we intervene. So it's fully changing of the of the way of the protection, not on the close protection, but on anticipate protection on places. So the command center is. Uh, always in the connection with that advanced person and then the situation is assessed and uh, photos are analyzed in those moments before they arrive so it's it, it, it's a really big change uh, that we were doing before and right now in, in Latin America. And I like you, you're talking about systematization and that will also speak to some of the solo protectors out there thinking I am a business, but yet am I a business if I leave it for some time? Uh, you know, systematization is, is, is really key. Um, Angie, what about for you? Um, when we're talking about the service of the future, is, is there much different? Um, are people offering new and innovative services, or is it more about the modernization of the person within it? Uh, Pelham, I think it's a blend of both. I think that um, we have to focus on the professionalism of the individuals and the companies that offer the service, um, looking at their systems and processes in place, uh, their risk management. And it is, that's what it's about, it's about the management of risk. And the people that are protected, they understand that because they are often in charge of huge companies, organisations, um, and risk management will form a great big part of that. The, the challenge comes, I think, when you're dealing with um, individuals that are ultra-high net worth that may have come up by their wealth in a different way, through uh, fame or sport, and they, they, they should be able to live their life in a way that, that doesn't hide their wealth. You know, we often get the keyboard warriors after the latest footballers had a, a robbery who says that they shouldn't show their watch, they shouldn't um, let anyone know where they live. It, it's almost impossible for a high-profile individual um, that, that in the local community that they don't, that they don't know where they live. Um, and it, you could find that contractually that they have to show the watch. That is part of a sponsorship deal. So, so we can't tell them not to do something when they are contractually obliged to do it. So it's up to us to modernise and think a lot more cerebrally, really, around not just the physical protection of these people, but, you know, look where along the system or the process that we can become involved. So if you've got this million-pound watch, you've got a, a, a hundred million-pound player that's wearing it. Now, where's the biggest asset? It's not the watch, it's the, it's the individual. And then the club um, is... This individual will form part of a billion-pound club and the money that comes from going up or down in a league or qualifying for this or that. So suddenly, this million-pound watch has, has grown into a billion-pound problem. Now, there'll be insurance. So if we're going to think... If, if looking at modernisation of, of, uh, of services... Has the insurance company, who are talking about all of these different pieces, has, have they involved security? Have they asked any of the people along this system or process, have you consulted with somebody who is a professional in 
security or protection. And so that will be a way of modernising things. It's about thinking more cerebrally <coughs> and having a blended approach to the, the individual, the company and the protectee uh, about, the, <coughs> about the assets and understanding really what the asset is. I like that because then you can find a new way to offer a new service as long as you understand your customer. But, Axel, it is sometimes, is it not difficult to get to know your principal because you will book through a family office who doesn't care, uh, may not care, some care, of course. Uh, how can we get to know the principal better? Is that the actual modernization skill, the search for, you know, contact? Yeah, I'm... Um... I was reading an article just a couple of days ago from, from Chris West, and uh, Ivan has read it as well. It was asking, it was looking at the evolution of EP services, and the question asked was, where is, or is there an Uber of executive protection? Like, is there something revolutionary on the, on the horizon? Um, there was no answer. It was just a question asked. And I think, no, there's nothing revolutionary ahead. Personally, that's my opinion. I think it's more evolving, uh, modernizing the services being more professional. Um, I think I, I would like to look at ourselves as risk managers, uh, not just executive protection uh, specialists, but uh, we provide a comprehensive risk management for individuals or families or, or private individuals. And uh, the declined relationship is obviously super important. From, from our experiences, and we run a couple of, of uh, permanent details uh, for some high net worth clients, each and every one has a different take on that. There's some who only want to communicate via the operator that we provide to us. So I, you know, I, I text him once in a year, is there anything, do you want to see me? No, all good, service is good, no need to. Uh, others are happy to see me every year, others only want to communicate with me but not so much uh, with the operators. Uh, so there's really no, I think there's no, 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 no guideline. That it's, it needs to be tailored individually to what the individual client wants and how they want to communicate or with whom they want to communicate. Because you always have this triangle relationship between the operator who is close to the principal, us as the service provider who are the bosses of the operators, but also clients uh, in a client relation with the, with the principals uh, and that needs to be carefully balanced out uh. and, and, and I suppose that goes back to the systematization question that uh, Angie posed because either you are the best bud or the bodyguard and it's your relationship yet you're employed or you're not employed by a master company in which case do you have a business it's, it's, it's tricky however different scenario let's go to David um, in the government world you may be given a principal and they may or may not want you, or you don't know if they want you. Uh, you, you spoke about a case study before. So, so you'll know if they don't want you. Um, <laughs> certainly from where I've come from, um, there is a system in place for selection. The principal will have a big say in that. Um, there will be recognised ways of selection, but the final say will generally be with the principal. The reality is if the principal comes to their house and they don't want you in their car, they don't want you in their car because they don't like you. So that doesn't work. Um, and I'm going to go back to and talk about service providers, um, operators. I'm a great believer that if you've got the facility and you can do it, you can be both. So if you deploy with the principals on occasion, it gives you that opportunity to talk to them in a relaxed environment sometimes rather than sitting behind a desk. 
It also means that you can check on your team's consistency and that they're supporting your vision um, and that they remember that you're the boss and the principal isn't. Um, so again, that's that consistency across the team to make sure that the principal is confident in the team they've got around them. Um, so I've brought that from where I've come from into what I'm doing now. So where I can, I deploy with my principal, um, which allows me to keep, keep, keep a better grip on the team. And that's about it, really. Well, I do like that because, again, it speaks to what is the future of the service. Perhaps the future of the service, and we'll give this to Brandon, is one where you're not just standoffish. You do get involved because there is a danger that you, you look at profit and loss and say, oh, profit's up. Why? Profit's down. I don't know. You need to get more involved. Or has it ever, ever that, was it ever thus, uh, Brandon? Well, I, mean, I, I think part of modernization is always how, how do we add value uh, to our client? Um, what are we doing besides being a bodyguard, a close protection operative? What are, what are we doing to facilitate their lifestyle or their business? Um, and it goes beyond being a security driver. It goes beyond uh, being a bodyguard. We are risk managers. I am not a cyber guy. I am not um, you know, a physical facility security expert. Um, I'm a, I'm a close protection person, but I dabble in a, a whole lot of different areas. How, what are we doing? Who are we calling when we don't have the answer? And I think that's really the crux of modernization is, is you, you know, what, it all comes down to bringing added value to yourself, your brand, and ultimately your client. Okay, so on that, Brandon, and we'll go from Brandon down this way. What added value do you think we're going to see emerging? Uh, over the pandemic, it was very much Intel services, but what added value? Uh, or if you don't think there's going to be anything new, what would you like to see our fellow protected communities add? Could it be uh, concierge services, holiday service? I don't know. What, what is this added value? For us, the added value during COVID times, 100% absolutely was consulting, risk management, and, uh, and, and uh, intelligence. I think that should continue. Information is, is what protects people. Knowing and being able to uh, ascertain the threat landscape five minutes from now or five years from now uh, is invaluable. And I think that, con- that trend will continue. One, uh, I was speaking with a CEO of another security company in the U.S. about a year ago, and he said, Brandon, what do you think Samaritan Protective Services is going to be in the next 10 years? We will transition from a close protection security bodyguard to an intelligence company. I, I think we need to really foster that and, and move in that direction. That's, that's fantastic. And if, if people even think of Pinkerton's origins uh, in the PI world, um, you know, it, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, David, what, what do you think? What would you like to offer next? What do you think we're going to be offering next that we, maybe we're not adding value uh, doing now? Okay, um, something that I've learned from coming into this industry quite quickly is, and I'm probably going to get a groan from the room here, is um, standards. Um, I'm quite shocked at the different levels. At one level, I'm, I was really surprised at how high the level was with the company I worked with. Um, I've been very much involved in some training and some selection processes where I've uh, tried, to, tried to produce metrics for selection processes. And I'm talking about people that are already SIA trained that 
can't speak English. So how have they got their ticket? Well, I think everybody in this room knows how they've got their ticket. Um, so to get that credibility back, and it may, may well produce some sort of tiered system, but quite frankly, that happens everywhere in business. Um, so for the executives that want a blue chip, close protection company um, or security company working for them, they need to know that the people that have been selected are capable of what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so that, for me, is, is really looking across the board and challenging all the, all the major security companies. And there's going to be a cost implication in this. But security's always had a sort of darker side of it, I suppose. Um, but I think they should be... I would challenge most of the bigger security companies to actually performing better due diligence and a selection process to the people that are going to work for them. Don't just work off a CV. I've seen candidates, um, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, maybe 12 candidates and two have passed the selection process, and yet all of them hold SIA badges. This isn't a poke at the SIA at all. This is just about actually doing due diligence on the people you're going to employ. Nice. And that will, that will connect nicely to Max's due diligence panel a bit later on as well. Um, Axel, uh, obviously we, we spoke about getting to know the principal so we can ask them what they want. Sometimes people say, and I'm not saying we say this, buyers are liars. They say, if you could only give me an elephant, I would definitely buy it, and then they don't buy it. So how do we strike that balance and find a way to add value? Yeah, I, I would really subscribe to what Brandon said. Um, I think what becomes more important for clients is the consulting piece. Um, they, they request information. Some, some of our clients, private clients, they don't have executive or any kind of protection, but they retain us for being able to ask questions literally 24-7 on, on travel destinations or on, on specific security-related topics. Uh, they want the ability to ramp up security in case needed, but want to keep it on a very low level unless something happens. Uh, so I think the intelligence piece and the consulting piece is becoming more relevant and probably even just occasional personal protection services could be added at a later point and uh, overall the, this comprehensive approach that the pillars that uh, Angie also mentioned are I think really need to be in the focus it's about the persons it's about where they go when they move it's about residences uh, and, and offices and, and other properties so it, it needs to be comprehensive and, and it's probably that it's that is probably the trend that I would see. Well, okay, Comp- comprehensive then. Angie, does that go against the uh, thing we said at the beginning where we said you can't be everything to all people because there's a difference between everything and comprehensive. And comprehensive is, in a way, one-stop shop. Yes, Pilim, uh, it is. But I think with the geopolitic- uh, geopolitical uncertainty and the need for travel, um, you know, it, it's all very well saying, you, you know, you can't go there or you shouldn't go there, but... But these, these companies, they need to have a presence within that region. Um, so for me, it's all about the client understanding and respecting the cost and the value that you add to their travel plans. And let's use travel as an example in, in my pillar two, travel and transportation. You know, for me, there are global intelligence platforms that you can have on your mobile phone pinging you, and, and, and you can choose a, a million different um, subjects that you want to be alerted to, and you can select and unselect things as they become relevant to what you need to understand for that, that geopolitical area. And for, for me, it will be about that would give us the best chance of success. 
so it is intelligence, and that and it's how that has evolved within protection. Um, you know, you and and the principals and all of the travellers can have this on their phone, and you're all being notified. They can silence it. You can lead. You know, and so it's about information sharing and collaboration. I would like to see those platforms, and um, and we've seen them here on many occasions, and there are others out there, become very affordable for 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 that environment, for, so that people, companies, even individuals, could afford it on a on a on a on an ad hoc basis. Almost have a different plan. So they've got their business plan, and I respect that. But it's very expensive, and so it, it rules things out that will actually give these people, these operators, the best chance of success in those dangerous countries. Um, and so, really, I would say, again, when you've got that information, if you, you know, I know you've had to pay for it, but we we do we do become parochial. My information, my client. I'm not sharing that with you. I'm not even going to tell you where we are in case you steal my client. It's that's not safe. And so really what I would like to see in the future is is a much better holistic team protection, global protection and and you know respect respect other people's clients. Share the information where you can. It's it, you'll need them one day and they need you. Absolutely, and it's, a, it's, it's quite a small industry, so people do have to collaborate, and it speaks to, you know, I remember Christian West uh, did the EPTO, uh, saying that maybe in the future it will be your gizmo person with you, uh, much as everyone used to have, like, an intern that spoke French um, with, whenever they went to Francophone Africa. They had nothing to do with security, but they just tagged along. So, 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 so I think that's, that's an interesting one. Also leads back to the de- democratisation of luxury. We, we heard from Jason Dibley saying this was... 30k, it's now 2k, uh, and the things that he was showing that cost 300k, I'm sure in five years will cost one pound 99. <laughs> it's it's really it's really uh, scary and encouraging. And then finally, Ivan, what service do you think we need to be offering? Uh, what are you going to be offering that maybe we're not offering now? Uh, well, first of all, I, I would like to say that. It's very interesting that we were speaking in so different uh, security environments such as Germany and Latin America and that we are coming to the same conclusion here that uh, really what the, the executives and the clients for different reasons need is kind of invisible protection uh, because it's not close, it's not the guy who, who is walking around because in, in Latin America uh, it's, it's shown to be useless and in Germany, because they don't want to see it. <laughs> but both cases is, is, is the same scenario that, that we are looking for much more invisible services and, and much, more, uh, much more intelligence, defi- definitely. And uh, the crucial services uh, that, that we maybe right now don't have so much in, in executive protection and this part, and we do have it in, in de- developed strongly in, in the other part of the world, it's... Latin America is counter-surveillance because uh, we have constantly uh, this kind of of attacks in uh, in that area, uh, in in which we have a lot of uh, a lot of kidnapping, uh, a lot of assassinations, and they all need a big process of logistics, of of preparations, of planning from from the criminals. So uh, that's the point when we need to cut it, and that's the point when we actually cut it. 
uh, in all this process of uh, first surveillance, specific formation and surveillance detection for the for the agents that we know that it's it's difficult to, to detect the the the, uh, the hostile surveillance from the agent because uh, we are mainly focused on close protection. It's difficult to be focused on two things, so that's why the uh, the the uh, counter surveillance teams are fundamental and. It brought us great value and, and, and great success in, in, in many operations. And it's, it, it's a method that it's well known for, I mean, decades, but it's very, very, it's very, have a very little presence, unfortunately, in executive protection. And if we analyze the most, uh, the, the, the most recent assassinations that happened in Mexico, the, the, the the attacks that happen, uh, they always realized months, months after that those guys are, were, were under hostile surveillance for, for months and, and they didn't realize that because there was no specialized team to, to identify it. So this, this part and this specific service is, turns to be fundamental and it's invisible and add value because right now the principal doesn't want to be surrounded with persons that they value their uh, uh, their privacy, uh, the image, so that's why all these techniques such as intelligence, counter-surveillance, early alert, that's pretty much invisible for them to protect their image, their, um, uh, their privacy, and they're very effective. Ivan, Angie, Axel, David, and uh, also Brandon, thanks very much for being such great panellists. Give them a big round of applause. Well, thank you very much. And I'm still buzzing from the event. I think it's interesting. We came at it as future EP services, but it's not quite where we ended up, is it, Sean? No, I think we discussed a whole range of topics. Um, and what I do like and what I did like about the panel is what I said in the intro, you know, the people from different nationalities, they have different viewpoints about different things. And it's always great because it's such a passionate subject, EP, that can, you know, it can get people's backs up. You know, if they feel they're not being listened to or heard or whatever it may be. So it's great hearing from different people in different jurisdictions. And it was interesting when they were talking about going back to COVID and how they evolved the services they offered, um, where they kind of had to refocus on delivering service from a desk as opposed to, you know, traveling with the principal, where there was a focus on, you know, providing Intel and GSOC services. Um, but yeah, I know it was really refreshing and really enjoyed it. Well, I'm 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 glad you uh, you enjoyed it, and it's gl I'm, I'm glad that we can refer uh, you know our fellow uh, magazine editor uh, John uh, to all of this wonderful in intel because you know we want to spread the word, and there are you know some pieces of content like this that help the rest of the community get a sense of what went on, why you should come uh, next time. But 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 John, what 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 was this like for you? Because I, I did think that we would have a panel where we'd say right. One, two, three, these are what we're going to now <laughs> sell. But, but it didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, I was ready for a punch-up. But uh, actually, you, you got together a great collection of guys and girls, uh, very experienced and almost politician-like. But, uh, you, you know, that took the conversation in maybe, some would say, a more useful direction, uh, not to take anything away from, uh, you know, the panel as it was prescribed. And and I would it would have been interesting to hear of 
new services, you know, quote unquote. But I, I think, uh, you know, most of us in the industry are, are, you know, pretty happy with the services that we provide. It's more about the manner in which we provide them, how we uh, are able to facilitate our clients, you know, the family offices, and how we're able to work around the unforeseen. Like we, you know, like we we still keep going back to, uh, you know, the pandemic, which was a which was a good uh, kick up the ass and a bit of a reset for us all. Yeah, and may, maybe showed us the value of our network and why, you know, it's not my business, but it, you know, it could be someone else's. So uh, it, it, even today, someone tapped me up from the event and said uh, I wanted to get back in touch with that person who offered that service and. And that's nice. That's that's the network uh, in 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 action, and you know I guess not reinventing the wheel. It's 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 an idiom everyone you know keeps on saying. But I really I appreciated the the the, the quote. You can't replace the last ten feet. So if that's not possible what else can you do and everything else is around the entourage and you know we had frank cannon doing his entourage workshop as well uh we we know we had uh sean doing the uh, business uh leaders workshop as well uh at uh, at the same event which i which i thought was a great combo um uh which 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 is definitely you know something to build on for next time um john lovely to have you back on um what's next for the magazine what are what are we next going to see I, I saw great things with the newsletter recently oh yeah well thanks for bringing the newsletter up you know uh the the circuit just goes from strength to strength obviously magazines are still coming out uh, regularly and uh but the, the newsletter is you know our kind of new flagship product i say new we're over a hundred uh issues into it now and it's uh it's just going from strength to strength and uh yeah we we have great engagement rate with that and if you're not reading it you know what it is is a very quick uh weekly summary of what's been going on in the world that's pertinent to protectors and people in our industry and looking ahead to you know some future predictions and just helping to make you a more informed protector all around and uh going back to the magazine we got a new issue coming out this week so stay tuned for that everyone and there's a there's a nice link in there to uh one of our articles is on the subject of the unified protector which we covered recently on a podcast and that is what sparked this uh article in direct response to that and i believe people might see it as a, as an objection <laughs> in some regards to the theme of that podcast, which is great. You know, it, it, it's like having a discussion, a, a live discussion. And, uh, you know, we we're bringing in all different points of view. That's, that's what we need. Yeah. Cause otherwise we'd all be nodding our heads and, and then, you know, would you need to when you, would you need to read an entire magazine where it's like, Oh yes, absolutely. I agree with everything here. Exactly. Um, so well, which is which is why you know events plus podcast plus uh, newsletter plus magazine really works uh, all together. I, I did want to do a bit of a shout, uh, a shout out as well because also at the event we had Annie, who does of course all of the behind the scenes uh, work at the BBA and the magazine, and uh, it was great for Annie to you know see lots of uh, the the members and and and, and, and vice versa and vice versa. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was it, it was it was really perfect. So so many of you will have seen those group photos with Sean, Annie, and myself. Uh, what we need to do is get Elijah, John, Sean, Annie, <laughs> and myself together wow. in the same photo. Whoever can sort out those logistics, you're uh, you're you win an award from me. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, yeah, it would be difficult. It would be difficult. But I do appreciate uh, the cross-pollination and I do appreciate the newsletter. Now, some, sometimes when you say newsletter, it doesn't do it justice. It's got lots of great uh, feeds. I think our newsletter is supported by uh, some uh, organizations that help give us more intel. Am I right, John? Yes, yes, that, that's true. There's several people who assist us in putting it together just to uh, kind of fact check us, make sure we've got the, the, the most up-to-date and accurate information that goes out there, yeah. Wonderful. Well, check check that out, and I, I always look forward to it. I, lo I look forward to seeing which podcast is connected to which newsletter, and I think, I think that even, even that's internal excitement here at the magazine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so definitely something to watch out for. Um, well, thanks to everyone for coming to the ninth annual uh, CP Tech Forum at the Grand Connell Rooms. Uh, so many amazing faces. But of course, for our particular session today, thanks to Axel Wochinger from the Result Group. Thanks to Ivan Ivanovich from WSO. Thanks to Brandon Shafakani from Samaritan Protective Services. David Bream, MVO from DAB Security Consultants. And of course, Angie Clark from Blackstone Consultancy for uh, thinking through the future EP service and EP person of the future which is always good fun. So I think lot, a lot of a name call, a lot of roll call from John Moss, from Sean West and myself. This has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.